So this is kind of strange. We typically think of sharing ghost stories around Halloween, but it has been a long-standing tradition to share ghost stories around Christmas. Weird, right? Or maybe not. What do you think? Kind of strange? Or not at all? Hello, and welcome to Kind of Strange. I'm your host, Grace, and this is a place where you can get cozy, a little creeped out, and talk with me about things that are weird, unusual, spooky, and kind of strange. Welcome back to Kind of Strange. So today I'm going to be talking a little bit about the tradition of sharing ghost stories around Christmas time. This was especially popular during the Victorian age, and it is something that, at least in America, that has faded from popularity or never really taken off here. Make sure to wait until the end because I'm going to be sharing my own Christmas ghost story with you, so stay tuned for that. Also, I know I still have part two and three of the Lacey Peterson, Scott Peterson episodes to share with you. They're taking a little bit longer than expected, but at least part two should be up next week. I did want to get this episode up before Christmas, but thank you for your patience on that, and they will be up soon. The tradition of sharing ghost stories around Christmas time or in the winter is nothing new. In fact, this is something that has carried over from ancient times, from winter solstice celebrations. You know, winter was cold. It was dark. There was no electricity back in the day. There wasn't really much to do, so people would tend to sit around the fire. And at that time, stories would be shared, and a lot of them would turn spooky. This tradition carried on, and during the Industrial Revolution, the steam-powered printing press was invented. So that meant that sharing the written word was a lot easier than it had been before, and it was also profitable. So this sparked an interest in Victorian period authors starting to write Christmas ghost stories that they would craft up during the fall time and then they'd be ready for distribution around Christmas time. Some well-known Victorian Christmas ghost story writers include Elizabeth Gaskell, Arthur Conan Doyle, and of course Charles Dickens. Interestingly, though, this tradition, this idea of sharing ghost stories or, you know, writing ghost stories and having them printed for purchase was really popular in England, but it didn't carry over to America. You know, remember that Puritan influence of early America really lasted longer than it should have, but it really lasted to the point where America was not as accepting of anything that was involving superstitions, ghosts, magic. And then eventually, Halloween became a really prominent holiday here in America, and so ghost stories tend to be shared around that time. It's more popular to do so then than it would be to do around Christmas. But personally, I think a Christmas ghost story is so much fun. It's so spooky. It's the perfect atmosphere with a really dark night, hopefully a snowstorm just outside the window. And so I wrote one for fun because I really wanted to share one on here. So I'm going to share that now, and it will be in first person. The Christmas Eve House I'm running late. There's snow sliding off my windshield wipers, and the sky is already getting dark. The nursing home closes in ten minutes, and if I don't find the right turn soon, I'm going to be sleeping in my car. 
My grandmother died two nights ago, and the last time I saw her, I promised if anything happened to her, I would come get her cat and bring him home with me. I just didn't think it would be happening so soon. I had only made that promise a month ago, and now it's Christmas Eve, and I'm driving far too fast through a snowstorm to get Cactus, the big tabby cat that my gran adored. Living three hours away, I've only been able to visit her once a month. Even though we were the only family each other had left, it never crossed my mind that I would end up getting not only her beach cottage, but the house here too. The road is getting harder to see, but I managed to spot the familiar sign for the complex where my gran had spent the last year, her own decision surprisingly. She had told me that the house, where she lived when she wasn't with me, was just too much for her. I'm tired of taking care of it all, she had said, with a resigned look in her eyes. I pull into the parking lot, the car skidding as I hit the brakes. The walkway up to the visitor's entrance is slippery, but I manage to stay on my feet as I walk up the pathway, decorated with warm winter lights. Then, I cross beneath the enormous wreath that hangs just above the doorway. I check my watch. Still a few minutes before they officially lock the doors to any non-staff or residents. Hurrying in, snow clings to my hair as I spot an unfamiliar receptionist who gives me a wary look. We're about to close, says the older woman, looking past me at the clock that sits on the wall. I notice her name tag says Carmen. I haven't met most of the second shift staff, as my visits have always been in the mornings. I know, I say. My grandmother just passed away, and I've only come to get her cat and an envelope that was left for me. I'm staying at her house in town while I make arrangements for her funeral, and I just need the key. The woman's hesitation turns into compassion, and she gives me a sad smile. I'm so sorry for your loss. Your grandmother, she was a very lovely woman. She was, I say forcing a smile, and trying to hold back from crying for it feels like the hundredth time today. Yes, I had no family left, and none of my friends lived around me anymore. But it was more than just that. I missed my gran. Our daily chats on the phone, the years I spent living with her after my mother passed away when I was only two, the made-up stories she would tell me in a way that made you believe every last word, sitting next to the Christmas tree together on Christmas Eve, homemade cookies and tea. I have a box of things for you in the office, Carmen says, and I'll call up to floor two to have them bring down Cactus. She reaches for the phone in front of her on the desk. I think of Cactus and wonder how he's been. He was never far from my grand side, and it pains me to think of him without her. Carmen hangs up the phone and seems to consider something. You're staying at your grandmother's house, you said? I nod. You know, I live in this town, too, and I know that house. A worried expression flashes across her face, but she tries to shake it off with a smile, as if she's hoping I don't notice. I know the house has stories, I say, unsure of the right way to put it. Gran had always had two homes, the house here and a beach cottage near where my father lived so that she could be closer to me. We rarely came to the house here, only on a few occasions, and one time I overheard a woman talking about my gran's house being haunted. She whispered something when she thought we were far enough away not to hear, but I remember hearing one word, ghosts. Gran had grown stiff and held my hand tighter as we walked away not saying a word about it. Carmen lets a breath out. Sure does. A house that old, though. 
I think it was built in the 1600s. Well, it's bound to have a few... tales. I didn't spend much time there, I said with a shrug. My gran had a beach cottage, and that's where we'd stay when I wasn't with my dad. Gran had loved to take me off my father's hands, staying with me at her beach cottage for weeks or months at a time. It was strange. She had always seemed happy to get away from her house. Relieved, even. Well, I wouldn't worry. You know how people love a good ghost story. That's all it is. Just some made-up stories to share on a chilly night around a warm fire. Carmen's smile tightens, and another memory comes to mind. I had asked my grandmother about her house a few times. It wasn't just the woman in town I had overheard. There was a friend of Grand who had visited the beach cottage once, and she alluded to something too. I remember sitting right there when she told Gran that she needed to move. I think all of these ghost stories are getting to you, she had said. But my Gran had shot her a look, and they both looked at me before changing the subject. When I tried to ask Gran about it later, she had just waved her hand. Oh, that's nothing more than town whispers about an old house. But the way she had said it made me certain that she didn't want to talk about it, so I left it alone. Do you know the ghost story? I asked Carmen now. Oh, sure, the woman says, and traces her finger along what looks like a tin of cookies that sits in front of her. Hard not to know it. So what's the version that goes around town? I ask, not wanting to let on that my grandmother never shared it with me. Oh, well, it's silly, I'm sure, the woman said with a small laugh. But they say a ghost of a woman haunts the house. They say she was murdered one Christmas Eve, and that she can be seen in the windows just before midnight, staring sadly outside. She looks like she's going to add more, but then stops herself. A shiver runs up my back, and I try to shake it off. Perhaps I shouldn't have asked about that story when I'm about to spend a night alone in the house. But oh well, it's just a story. Before I can say anything more, the elevator dings, and I turn to see a woman in scrubs walking out of the doors. She's holding a carrying cart with a small wrapped gift sat atop, and there's an envelope wedged beneath her arm. Hello, says the woman breathlessly, setting the cart in front of me. Cactus is ready for his trip. He hasn't been himself since Ella passed, moping around, so hopefully you'll be able to get some holiday cheer out of him. I doubt I'll be able to do that, but I bend to peek inside the crate, wide cat eyes staring back at me. Hi, Cactus, I say, and then I turn my attention back to the woman that brought him down. She has blonde hair that's pulled back into a neat ponytail, and I can see from her name tag that her name is Greta. Thank you very much, Greta, I say, and the woman waves her hand at me. Ah, uh, it's no problem. I'm so sorry about Ella. She was such an interesting woman. Always so stylish, too. <laughs> I let out a small laugh, thinking of my gran, who always had a knack for knowing exactly what accessory to pair with an outfit. Greta holds the envelope out towards me, and upon taking it, I notice it's heavier than I would have expected. The day shift told me there's a key inside of there, and they did tuck in a ring of Ella's. She had set it aside to give to you. It's beautiful. A ruby, I believe. She reaches into her pocket and pulls out a piece of paper. Now this is just confirmation that we gave you cactus, the key, and the ring, she says, and I take it, putting it into my pocket. With my other hand, I feel the sealed envelope, knowing exactly the ring Greta is talking about. A wave of sadness washes over me. I don't think I ever saw my gran without that ring, and the fact that she's left it for me causes my eyes to grow wet. 
I sniff any tears away and ignore my temptation to pull the ring out right now and put it on my finger. Now that wrapped gift is from the staff, Greta says, pointing to the box on top of Cactus's crate. It's just some Christmas cookies, but I have to say they are quite delicious. Lori from the third floor bakes them every year, and they are incredible. I notice Carmen nodding in agreement, and I smile, grateful that I'll have something to eat. Rushing from work to come straight here didn't give me any time to stop at the shops, and I imagine most will be closed now for the holiday. I appreciate that, I say, and everything that you've done for my grandmother. She really seemed quite happy here. I like to hope that she was, Greta said with a tired smile. I bend to pick up the crate. I better get back up there, Greta says. Enjoy your holiday. She hurries away, this time opting for the stairs, and I give Carmen a small nod. Thank you, I say. She lets out another laugh. <sighs> well, I hope I didn't scare you with my story. No, not at all, I lie. It's just a story after all. Merry Christmas she says and glances out the window. Be careful out there. It looks like quite the storm. A half hour later, I have somehow arrived at my grandmother's house and settled Cactus inside. The roads are getting worse, and I was barely able to get my car to the top of the driveway. Inside, I'm surprised to see what appears to be a bag of new cat food on the kitchen table and some clean bowls set beside it. I think back to recent conversations I had with my gran, and remember her saying something about having somebody look after the house. It always needs something, she had said, and I can almost hear her voice as I stand in the darkened kitchen, the wind howling outside. The words seem ominous now, however innocent they might have been when she said them during the light of day. I lock the main door and set the key beside the open envelope on the counter. I take a moment to rifle through the small bag I managed to pack and find a sweater. A chill has settled over my shoulders, and I wrap the sweater around them, hoping to warm up. With some hope, I open the refrigerator, but I'm disappointed to find it completely bare. It's then that I remember the box of cookies, and I reach for the silver-wrapped package on the counter, tearing it away to reveal a cardboard box with holly and ivy etched on the sides. I lift the top to see an assortment of gingerbread, chocolate, and what looks like some kind of peppermint cookie. I can't help but think of all the Christmases I spent baking cookies with Gran, and I'm about to try one, when I hear a thud from what sounds like the back room. I freeze, waiting, but there is no more sound. Maybe it was Cactus, but when I turn, I find him sitting on the floor beside my feet, staring up at me. And if this didn't sound ridiculous, I can swear he looks... worried. The storm outside is getting worse, and I talk myself into believing that the noise must have been a branch that had fallen, or just some snow crashing off of the roof. Why had my grand never had me here? Sure, there were a few occasions when we stopped by to grab something quick, but even then, she was always in a hurry to get me out. She had almost seemed annoyed by the house, like it was something that she was stuck with. And not for the first time, I was struck by the question, why had she stayed? Gran was a wealthy woman. Not that she'd ever let on about that. But as I grew older, it was something that I had become aware of. And it made it even more strange that she had kept this house. Why bother with it at all, especially when she had the beach cottage? Just before she decided to move to the nursing home, I asked why she didn't just sell the house. She had let out a long sigh. Ugh, if I don't keep it, then somebody else will have to deal with it, she had said. 
deal with it. What had she meant? Another thud. My heart starts to pound, and this time I force myself to wander past the kitchen and into the back bedroom that I will be sleeping in tonight. I swipe my hand around on the wall until I find the light switch, and just before my fingers flick it upwards, I gasp. There's an outline of a man in the darkened room, but then the lights are on, and whatever I saw fades away with the shadows, and the small cozy bedroom illuminates into what appears to be just an ordinary room. I need to stop scaring myself. There was no man standing in this room, only a trick of a dark room on a winter's night. I look around to see some generic paintings on the wall and a quilt that doesn't quite look like something Gran would have put on her bed. This room doesn't feel like Gran, and I find myself wishing that it did. I take one last look around, sure that that thud had come from in here. But it's still. Quiet. This house is not very large, though sitting on the hill, looking towards the center of town, it has a presence that is undeniable. Cactus has followed me, and I nearly trip over him as I turn to head back towards the kitchen, which seems to be the best-lit area. He stares at me again, and this time he meows and sets a paw against the front of my leg. I'm sorry, I say leaning down to rub his head. You must be hungry. So am I. I put some of his food into a bowl and set it down along with water, but he ignores it and continues to stare at me. Then he lets out another meow that sounds more like a whine. The unsettled feeling I've had since stepping inside grows, and I remember what Carmen said about the woman staring out the window on Christmas Eve. It's getting later, nearing seven, and I have to force myself to stop picturing a ghostly woman looking down at the town below. Instead, I grab a peppermint cookie from out of the tin and eat it quickly, biting into a second one and inwardly agreeing with Greta that these are truly delicious. Wiping a few crumbs off my sweater, I spot the open envelope and remember Gran's ring. I pick up the envelope and tip it sideways until the delicate ruby slips out and clatters onto the counter. The ring fits perfectly onto my third finger, and once it's on, I somehow feel warmer. I picture Gran's soft hands and wish she were here beside me. Before I set the envelope back down, I notice there's something else inside of it. A letter? I pull a piece of worn and folded paper out and smile at the sight of Gran's familiar handwriting. I'm so excited to see something from her, but also suddenly so tired. It's been a long day, a long couple of days, in fact, and my eyes start to feel heavy as I read through the words she has left on the page. My dearest Belle, a nickname she had given me as a child and used so much that sometimes I forgot I had another name. If you're reading this letter, then I'm so sorry I'm no longer around to be in your life. I hope you know how much being your grandmother has meant to me, and I have left everything to you, and you alone. You might be surprised to find out it's quite a lot, but I want you to do something with it. Travel. Buy something beautiful. Live your life and take the time to do whatever it is that makes you feel alive. A tear wets the side of my cheek, but I continue reading. I hope that you will keep Cactus. He is easy and a wonderful companion. But if you can't, I understand. All I ask is that you make sure he finds a home where he will be treated kindly and will be allowed to eat as much as he pleases. A laugh escapes me as I glance at Cactus, who hasn't moved. The worried look in his eyes is too obvious to ignore now, and his bowl of food is still untouched. Slowly, 
I turned back to the letter. As for the house, you must sell it. Immediately. I am sure there will be someone interested in it, especially with all the lore that surrounds it. I'm sorry I've never shared much about it, but I was trying to protect you. If you are in the house now, you must leave. Do not even spend one night, as I'm afraid it is too dangerous. Dangerous? What does she mean? I think of the storm outside and know there is no way I will be able to leave tonight. Why wouldn't I be able to at least spend the night? Perhaps you've heard the rumors about the house being haunted, and I have to admit that it isn't far from the truth. Although, I'm not sure I would call it haunted as much as I would call it cursed. I frown, seeing there isn't much left to read. It takes what it wants and it won't let go. I know I hardly spoke of him, but your grandfather died inside of that house. Your mother, too. And as hard as I tried, I was never able to truly leave it. Gran loved my grandfather. I never met him, as he had passed shortly before I was born. But whenever she talked about him, her face would light up. Until inevitably, the happiness would fade, as a dark look crossed her face, until she shook it away and changed the subject. She was a little different when she spoke about my mom. The same excitement was still there when she was mentioned, and then the same heavy sadness. But she would tell me more, force herself to carry on the conversation, so that I would know the wonderful person my mother had been. They say that if you spend a night in that house, a part of you will be stuck there forever. And it is true. The house not only took your grandfather and mother from me, but also a piece of my heart that I have never been able to get back. It saddens me how truly heartbroken Gran must have felt, and I blink as the words on the page start to blur together. Do not stay in that house. It has taken away almost everything I have loved, and I don't want it to have you, too. The letter drops from my hand, and I find that I am suddenly too tired to carry on. I spot the couch just a few steps away, and drop heavily onto it, the day since my grand's death catching up with me, as I fall quickly into sleep. I see the clock when I wake, and notice that it is just past 11.30. It's much colder in here than it was a few hours ago, and there's a strange sound coming from the back room. Cactus is beside the couch, but as I get up, he doesn't follow me, and he stays put staring at the couch in the darkness. I hear a crashing noise, and then what sounds like a whisper. Is somebody back there? Is it her? The ghost of the woman that Carmen told me about? Slowly, I make my way down the dark hallway and see that the light is on in the bedroom. Had I left it on? I can't remember. I shiver from the icy air and push open the door, my hand coming to my mouth as I realize there are two people inside. A woman and a man are crouched beside the closet next to the bed. There are boxes that have been pulled out and papers all over the floor. They don't notice me standing in the doorway, and as the woman begins to say something in a hushed tone, I step back a bit, hoping to avoid them noticing me. I can't find the bank information. It must be in here somewhere. Did you check the girl's purse? Perhaps she already has it. Of course I looked in there, but I heard the old woman on the phone just a few days ago. She was talking with the bank about transferring money into some account. It is then that the woman turns slightly, and I'm able to recognize her face. Greta, the staff member from the nursing home I had met earlier that night. 
She had seemed so nice, so sincere. But clearly that was all a facade, as she's now in my grand's house looking for her bank information. Well, she probably transferred it to the granddaughter's account. If we take her wallet and look at her accounts, I'm sure we'll find the money. Greta lets out a sigh of frustration, but nods. I shrink back further from the door, suddenly terrified. How had I not heard them come in? Why did they want Grand's bank information? To try and steal her money? It was true. Grand had transferred a startlingly large sum of money into my account just days before she passed. But how would they know about that? At least we have the ring. That thing's worth plenty of money on its own. The rich old bat never parted with it. I can tell it's expensive. I look down at my hand and realize my fingers are bare. They had taken the ring right off of my finger? Yep, there's that. And I'll figure out a way into the granddaughter's account. It shouldn't be hard. A stroke of luck that you realized the lady was rich right before she passed away. It wasn't had. She never talked about it. But she had the lawyer come to visit her. And you know, I always lurk around for those conversations. Usually these people have nothing left. But when I heard her mentioning multiple accounts, I just knew. Then a few days later, she's transferring a lot of money to some account. And since she's only ever had one visitor, I knew where it would end up. Anger starts to form in the center of my stomach. And I have to will myself not to push open the door and give myself away. I have no idea if these people have weapons. And I imagine if they're willing to break into the house with me asleep and take a ring right off of my finger, then they wouldn't be afraid to do something worse. Strange, though, isn't it? The man said as he shifts through a pile of papers. All that money, and she lived in this house. Greta nods. It's quite small, yes, but her husband and daughter died in it, and the receptionist with the big mouth said that the people in town thought that she didn't leave because their ghosts remained. Imagine! People in town even say they sometimes see a ghostly man out in front of the house. The man left. Another crazy old loon, he said. Greta laughs, and I notice how dark her eyes are. How had I not noticed that before? A creaking sound from behind me gets my attention, and Greta seems to hear it too. But then she just shakes her head. They also say there's a ghost of a woman on Christmas Eve. But I haven't seen anyone lurking around anywhere, have you? The woman, who appears just before midnight. I remember Carmen telling me, and I look towards the kitchen, where a large window sits. When I turn back... I realize that the two are standing, and Greta is following behind the man. I brace myself, back against the wall, not knowing what I will say or do. Where is my phone? I should have grabbed it to call when they were talking, instead of just standing and listening. I think of my grand's words about the house being dangerous. She was right, although I don't think this is the way she meant it. Greta and the man come out of the room, and I hold up my hands, wishing I had something heavy to use just in case. But then they both walk right past me. Hey, I say, anger replacing my fear all at once. Greta makes her way towards the couch, disappearing into the darkness, and neither one of them acknowledge me. Hey, I say again, rushing after her, and see that she is standing over the couch as the man lets out a low sigh. <sighs> I suppose we should cover her up while we keep looking. It's creepy her here like this, he says. What? What is he talking about? I take another step forward and see Cactus's eyes glowing out from beneath the couch where he is now hiding. I didn't realize it before, but there is something on the couch that both Greta and the man are looking at. What is it? 
I feel a rush of wind behind me, and I crane my neck to see what it is, but nothing is there, the hallway empty. When I look back, the man is grabbing a blanket that is draped over one of the chairs. At least this will cover her face, he says. As he lifts the blanket, and it seems to hang in the air, I see it. Time slows as I take in the body on the couch, one leg hanging off of the side, brown hair falling across the cheek of a woman's face. But not just a woman's face. My face. My face. My hair. I look down at my hands. How can this be? The cookies worked perfectly, Greta is saying. I was afraid she wouldn't eat them. You know how people are these days with allergies and restrictions. But she ate two. One would have been enough on its own. I'm surprised she even made it over to the couch after two. The man laughs, and I want to scream as I recognize that they're talking about me. About the two cookies I had eaten, shortly before feeling so exhausted that I barely made it to crash onto the couch. I don't want it to have you too. Grand's words about the house play back in my mind, and I take a few steps away from the horror that is unfolding on the couch in front of me. I can't look as I cover my dead body up in a blanket and then search around the house for more of Grand's things, with her ring, my ring, on Greta's finger. I notice the letter I dropped, still resting on the floor, and I bend to read the final words Gran had written. I love you, Belle. Live as much as you possibly can. I walk away from the letter, the cold no longer noticeable. Out the window and through the snow, I can see the twinkling lights that are still on in the center of town, and a big tree, the star brightly lit on top. I place my hand against the kitchen window and it's not freezing or damp like I would expect it to be. Instead, it feels like nothing as my palm rests against the glass and I stare out at the town below, the chimes of the midnight bell sounding faintly in the air. I hope you enjoyed this Christmas ghost story, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please enjoy whatever holiday you're celebrating this winter season and have a happy new year. Thank you for listening to Kind of Strange Podcast. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Kind of Strange PC on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love it if you could rate this podcast and leave a review. All sources for this episode are listed on the Kind of Strange website. The link is provided in the show notes. Until next time, don't forget to keep a lookout for anything that might be a little weird, a bit odd, or kind of strange. strange.